homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Today we're looking at favorable and unfavorable conditions for spiritual practice. This is quite a timely sutta or teaching from the Buddha because we are already assailed by certain personal afflictions as well as afflictions that are occurring in the world that make it challenging, not conducive for spiritual practice. And as these things escalate, we need to be mindful of making the most of favorable conditions if we have them. That if we have favorable conditions and we go through this particular teaching of the Buddha, maybe a sense of urgency comes, a sense that we need to rouse up energy before the conditions start to get increasingly difficult. So the Buddha says in this particular sutta, and it's framed towards the monks, towards the monastic sangha, but as we read through and we go through it, we can use it from the perspective of lay practice. There's always a way of looking at it. So we ensure that from a lay perspective, we can still take up the teachings of the Buddha. So the Buddha says, because there are these five unfavorable conditions for striving. What five? Here are bhikkhus old, overcome by old age. This is the first unfavorable condition for striving. Again, a bhikkhu is ill, overcome by illness. This is the second unfavorable condition for striving. Again, there is a famine, a poor harvest, a time when alms food is difficult to obtain and it is not easy to subsist by means of gleaning or gathering. This is the third unfavorable condition for striving. Again, there is a peril, turbulence in the wilderness and the people of the countryside, mounted on their vehicles, flee on all sides. This is the fourth unfavorable condition for striving. Again, there is a schism in the Sangha. And when there is a schism in the Sangha, there are mutual insults, mutual reviling, mutual disparagement, and mutual rejection. Then those without confidence do not gain confidence, while some of those with confidence change their minds. This is the fifth unfavorable condition for striving. These are the five unfavorable conditions for striving. So we can see from this list of five things that we are already overcome by certain things. Every day we age. And during the time of this pandemic, there are times that some of us have been seriously sick, seriously ill, or we've had to care for people who have been sick. And we already see signs of famine, signs of food shortages around the world some places more than others, some places because of severe drought or other natural disasters or poor decisions from the government, we already see signs of, of these things. And then peril when it comes to disharmony in the world, disharmony in particular countries, war zones, places where there are battles. And of course, the last one where there is a schism in the Sangha, we may not have experienced a direct schism in the Sangha in our lifetime, but we see traces of discord, disharmony over various things. And in this particular case, it can rock our confidence in, in the Buddha's teaching. The Sangha are the representatives of the Buddha's teaching. When we are rocked by their arguments, their disrespect of one another, or what they say when they demean each other, then it makes it very difficult. But what the Buddha is saying when he talks about these five unfavorable conditions is to really look at them. And in this particular sutta, as well as 
Another one that we're going to go through in order to go through each of these five unfavorable conditions, there is a way of reflecting and contemplating that can help us to rouse up energy and to develop a sense of urgency so we don't waste time, we don't waste favorable conditions. The Buddha elaborates on the five unfavorable conditions in the Dutiya Anagata Bhaya Sutta. This is in Anguttara Nikaya chapter 5, discourse number 78. And in this particular teaching, the Buddha refers to these five unfavorable conditions as future perils or future dangers. And even despite calling them future perils or dangers, some of us may already be experiencing them. And so that's something to bear in mind. But despite this, What's very important about this particular teaching is the Buddha gives a way of contemplating, a way of reflecting in order for us to rouse up energy, in order for us to not waste time. And the idea is that if we are able to rouse up energy, being able to contemplate correctly, then it helps us so that we develop a stronger practice ahead of time. We develop the Buddha's Noble Eightfold Path. We develop path and fruit. And so the safety is that even when that condition is there, when it arises, when it has developed, we won't be overcome by that condition. We will still be able to dwell at ease despite that unfavorable condition because we are able to stay unshaken because of the strength of the development of the practice. So in the first instance, the Buddha talks about the unfavorable condition of being overcome by old age. So he says in the Sutta, one reflects thus, I'm now young, a black haired young man, endowed with the blessing of youth in the prime of life. But there will come a time when old age assails this body. Now when one is old, overcome by old age, it is not easy to attend to the Buddha's teaching. It is not easy to resort to remote lodgings in forests and jungle groves. Before that unwished for, undesirable, disagreeable condition comes upon me, let me in advance arouse energy for the attainment of the as yet unattained, for the achievement of the as yet unachieved, for the realization of the as yet unrealized. Thus, when I'm in that condition, I will dwell at ease even though I am old. This is the first future peril. So we come to Buddha's teachings at all different ages. Some of us are very young, some of us a little older and a little older than that. And then of course we get to people who are quite aged. Now with the Buddha's teaching, you can learn at any age, that is for sure. But as we all know, as you get increasingly older, it becomes more difficult. It becomes more difficult to wield the body in all different postures when you want to sit cross-legged or other things, but it's not something that you must do. But then we know that as we age, our sense faculties also age. So we experience hearing loss, our vision isn't so good, our sense of smell, taste, and then things with the body. And so when it comes to memory as an example, it becomes more difficult to remember the words of the Buddha. It becomes more difficult to remember the insight pathways, the, the meditation instructions of the Buddha. And these are the things which are most important. And in order to develop the path, there's a certain level of effort one needs to make. And so as you get older, what you find is you have to make more effort. And hence why the Buddha encourages people to not 
delay, not wait until you're older. And there is this sense with lay people because of the responsibilities, because of toiling in the world that you would delay. And this is one example where the Buddha says, don't delay, don't wait until you are assailed by old age. Come to it sooner, make some progress. And so when you look at it and you look at you, you have some blessings of youth and we tailor it to our individual circumstances and we recognize that if we have certain abilities right now, certain abilities to sit in certain postures, certain abilities to travel far, to go on a retreat, to stay in the forest, to stay in a monastery, to go to a retreat center, then, then we make the most of those things. Knowing that, as the Buddha says later on, it's not easy to attend to the Buddha's teachings. It's not easy to resort to those remote places and to find those, those places conducive for practice. And so when you reflect in that way, you realize, I need to make the most of the time that is right now, at whatever age, because we all still have certain abilities and faculties. But knowing that it gets more difficult, then if we make the most of this time, develop path and fruit, enter the stream, memorize certain meditations to ensure that they are embedded, then when the time comes that we are afflicted with old age, times where it's difficult to move, difficult to walk, difficult to find ease in the body in order to practice, then if our practice is strong, it is possible then to not be so much affected by certain other things that afflict us when our sense faculties age. This is the encouragement to make the most of this opportunity. The second unfavorable condition is when we are overcome by sickness. And the Buddha says that, again, one reflects thus, I am now seldom ill or afflicted. I possess an even digestion that is neither too cool nor too hot, but moderate and suitable for striving. But there will come a time when illness assails this body. Now, when one is ill, overcome by illness, it is not easy to attend to the Buddha's teaching. It is not easy to resort to remote lodgings in forests and jungle groves. Before that unwished for, undesirable, disagreeable condition comes upon me, let me in advance arouse energy for the attainment of the as yet unattained, for the achievement of the as yet unachieved for the realization of the as yet unrealized. Thus, when I'm in that condition, I will dwell at ease, even though I'm sick. This is the second future peril. So all of us know what it's like to be sick. At one time or another, we have been sick, or we are currently sick. The conditions when we are sick are very difficult because the body experiences pain or suffering there is no energy and the mind is not conducive when the body is in that condition. The mind is unwieldy. It is afflicted with having to deal with bodily or physical pain. So when that happens, and even if you think about certain illnesses that the Buddha talks about, such as even hunger, thirst, having to find the toilet when you need to go for number one or number two. These are also afflictions. And so when the Buddha talks about not having an even digestion, even things such as gastro and being afflicted in that way, it's also very difficult for striving. Now, 
when it comes to this contemplation, if you are in good health right now, then this is a way of reflecting to, to remember that sickness does come. It's this affliction with the body. When we birth this kind of body, we are always to expect that there will be sickness. What we do is we take it for granted. So being in the middle of the pandemic, one can see that it doesn't just affect uh, spiritual practice, it affects all kinds of work as well. And certain things make it very unsuitable. And so pandemics can come at any time, uh, afflictions with various illnesses, such as measles, chickenpox, when we have more serious illnesses, cancer, uh, heart issues, you name it. At that point, if we don't have a strong spiritual practice, then you know that it is very difficult to lift the mind. The mind tends to sink when the body is, is feeling down. And also there are other mental illnesses such as depression and other things. So the idea is very much that we make the most of any good conditions to remember that unfavorable conditions can come. And so when you reflect in that way, you know, it is difficult to take up the Buddha's teachings at that time. It is also difficult to find conducive uh, conditions in the forest or in a monastery or some other place of retreat. You can't go when you are sick. And so with this particular contemplation, it's very good to know that if we develop our practice sooner rather than later, when one gets sick, then you can still meditate. You can still lift the mind and heal the body. That particular thing is true. There are things that the Buddha says in the suttas. If you remember the Girimananda Sutta, and various other ones, even the Karaniya Metta Sutta, any meditation really, but there are some specific ones where you can actually repair the body. And of course, the Buddha always encourages, whether it's lay people or monastics, to reflect on the Buddha's words, to reflect on the Bhujangas and, and different things in order to overcome sickness. But if we leave it too late, if we delay and we don't develop this practice now, it's difficult when we're already sick and we don't have a strong practice and we try to do so. And in, in some cases, we ask other people to meditate on our behalf, but it's not quite the same. So remember, the sooner that we rouse up energy, develop a strong practice, penetrate the Buddha's teaching, have that direct experience for ourselves, being able to access the jhanas at will, then it becomes much easier when we are saved by illness. So this is the encouragement from the Buddha. The third unfavorable condition is when we are overcome by famine. And the Buddha asks us to reflect. Food is now plentiful, there has been a good harvest, and alms food is abundant, so that one can easily subsist by means of gleaning. But there will come a time of famine, a poor harvest, when alms food is hard to obtain and one cannot easily subsist by means of gleaning. In a time of famine, people migrate to places where food is plentiful and living conditions there are congested and crowded. Now when living conditions there are congested and crowded, it is not easy to attend to the Buddha's teaching. It is not easy to resort to remote lodgings in forests and jungle groves. Before that unwished for, undesirable, disagreeable condition comes upon me, let me in advance arouse energy for the attainment of the as yet unattained, 
for the achievement of the as yet unachieved, for the realization of the as yet unrealized. Thus, when I'm in that condition, I will dwell at ease even in a famine. This is the third future peril. So when we look at this particular unfavorable condition, around the world we can see various signs of this. There's been places in the past that have been overcome by famine, but increasingly now around the globe due to various reasons, food is now not so plentiful and they are already flagging that there may be issues with food shortages, food emergencies, and even food rationing. So with that on the horizon, this is a very timely reflection. If you are currently experiencing favorable conditions where you can go to the market or the supermarket and you can see shelves of food, this is a good thing. This is the first part of the reflection. And when you know that governments make poor decisions around fertilizer, when governments make other decisions around certain things, when there are natural disasters, when we have a pandemic and it puts pressure on the food supply chain, when there are emerging wars and the globe is in conflict, then you know also that puts certain pressure on the food supply system. Then what will happen is this famine will come to fruition. Now the idea about spiritual practice is, again, it's the same thing. You develop the Noble Eightfold Path, you develop jhanas, you develop higher concentration states of mind. When you do so, the mind becomes less shaken to external factors. When you develop the dispassion towards sensual pleasures, then you know that you can simplify. You know that you can live with less. But at the same time, when difficult conditions arise, our spiritual practice gets challenged for multiple reasons. It's not simply just about higher concentrations of mind. It's also about breaking our virtue. There is a higher propensity to have unwholesome body, speech and mind when there are challenging conditions. The mind starts to shake. And so when the mind shakes, then the words come out in the wrong way. And then other physical actions might happen. So what you notice in difficult conditions is people start yelling at each other, calling out horrible things. People start physically fighting, maybe even killing. There are news items at the moment where people are lining up for things, not just food shortages. There are shortages of fuel. There are shortages of gas. There are shortages of many, many things. And there are power cuts and, and other challenging conditions. When you know that your family is being harmed by these conditions, your children are not able to go to school, they're not able to sit for exams because there's no paper, when you can't even feed your family, then this is when people tend to get rocked. And when they get rocked, they will display all kinds of anger and they will fight. So spiritual practice is also about knowing how to rein in one's behavior, being able to withstand, being shouted at, someone grabbing things from you because they need it too. Having to line up in difficult conditions to get food rations or fuel. And in terms of spiritual practice, it's really important to look at the whole part of the practice, not just the meditation, but also our behavior. One needs to be able to withstand. If you penetrate the Buddha's teaching and you really understand that no matter what happens, no matter if somebody is shouting at you, even hurting you, you don't want to break your sila, then that is a very strong practice. And if you are disinclined towards wanting more, 
that you have reached the, the part of your practice where you see the danger in sensual pleasures, you're will, willing to live with less, you're willing to withstand all these things, understanding karma and rebirth, that it's a very powerful position to be in. So when the Buddha says, when that condition arises, I will be able to dwell at ease even in a famine, that is high practice. When the famine comes, it's very difficult to, at that point, start to develop practice. It's very difficult when you're hungry to actually be able to penetrate Buddha's teachings. There are suttas where someone has come to see the Buddha and the Buddha sees that that person is hungry, but know that that person has the ability to enter the stream. So what does the Buddha do? Request that the person is fed first. Once they have been fed, then he shares the gradual teaching. So for us, these are the various parts of the teaching that we need to bear in mind. Use it as encouragement, not to drum up fear, but to really see if we have favorable conditions right now, this is how we must reflect and not to take for granted good conditions because these situations change. And as we can see in the world, the world is in a massive decline and there will be hardship to varying degrees. The fourth unfavorable condition is when we are overcome by peril or danger. And the Buddha asks us to reflect, people are now dwelling in concord, harmoniously, without disputes, blending like milk and water, viewing each other with eyes of affection. But there will come a time of peril, of turbulence in the wilderness, when the people of the countryside, mounted on their vehicles, flee on all sides. In a time of peril, people migrate to places where there is safety, and living conditions there are congested and crowded. Now when living conditions there are congested and crowded, it is not easy to attend to the Buddha's teaching. It is not easy to resort to remote lodgings in forests and jungle groves. Before that unlikable, undesirable and disagreeable thing happens, I'd better preempt it by rousing up energy for attaining the unattained, achieving the unachieved and realizing the unrealized. Thus, when I'm in that condition, I will dwell at ease, even in a time of peril. This is the fourth future peril. So when we look at this, we can see signs around the world. We've seen it in the past with past wars, past disasters, all kinds of different difficult or dangerous situations. And when things are good, when we have favorable conditions, sometimes we take them for granted. We look at things that are happening across the world and we go, it's happening over there. But increasingly, peril or danger is coming to our doorstep, if not on our doorstep already. So if you have favorable conditions, it's important to reflect in the way that the Buddha has given us, because there will come a time where there may be war right on our doorstep, such as what is happening in Ukraine. So when it is like that, right on our doorstep, then it is like what the Buddha says, you have to flee. You have to go to different camps or different countries where it is not your home, where you don't feel safe even, where you have discomfort. In those times, it is difficult to practice or to even begin practicing in the way that the Buddha teaches because you are extremely affected by physical conditions and you are mentally afflicted over what has happened, the loss, the changes, the distress, the stress over what's going to happen next. So when you look at this and what's happening around the world, one needs to be very heedful to take the time right now, if you have conducive conditions, to make the most of them. 
and while you have them, to look out on the world with more wisdom rather than seeing it simply as disputes and simply as certain things to know this is what happens when the world is imbued with greed, hatred and delusion. Times of danger and peril come when leaders of the world think that they need to go to war, when conflict is something that they would rather do than to heal or uh, make things better. They turn to the most akusala, the most unwholesome things to do, killing, stealing, lying, deception, corruption. So if we don't want to be at the mercy of those things, then it seems very difficult to, to believe that one can dwell at ease at the time of peril. But is it true, if you are able to develop the mind to a certain extent, and you're able to guard your faculties, you're able to say that you don't want to break your sila, even in the face of mortal danger, then one has really developed on the path. And so this is where the Buddha is encouraging. Be able to dwell at ease, even in the face of peril, not to go with those conditions and fall down, to sink down, whether it is in the mind or through our body, speech and mind. And so this is the encouragement to really see that this is on the horizon, but to really make the most of any conducive conditions you have now and to reflect very wisely around them. The fifth unfavorable condition is when we are overcome by a schism in the Sangha and the Buddha asks us to contemplate or reflect in this way. The Sangha is now dwelling at ease, in concord, harmoniously, without disputes, with a single recitation, but there will come a time when there will be a schism in the Sangha. Now, when there is a schism in the Sangha, it is not easy to attend to the Buddha's teaching. It is not easy to resort to remote lodgings in forests and jungle groves. Before that unlikable, undesirable and disagreeable thing happens, I'd better preempt it by rousing up energy for attaining the unattained, achieving the unachieved and realizing the unrealized. Thus, when I'm in that condition, I will dwell at ease even though there is a schism in the Sangha. This is the fifth future peril. So when we come to the Buddha's teaching, what we are encouraged is towards taking refuge in Buddha, taking refuge in Dhamma, taking refuge in Sangha. Sangha is what are the representatives of the Buddha. So when there is concord, there is harmony, there is getting along, there is mutual respect, then we develop more confidence, more confidence towards Buddha Dhamma Sangha. When the Sangha is practicing well, we go hand in hand with that. We tend to develop more confidence, more faith, and therefore more effort. Now, when the Sangha is not in harmony, when there are disputes, when they have disrespect, when they revile each other, when it gets so bad, then what happens is if our practice is not particularly strong, we can get rocked by these things. We may be swayed by what one says to another. We might be swayed even from little disputes. So we may not have experienced a schism in the Sangha in our lifetime, but we may have seen discord in the Sangha. And you just remember what that felt like. How did you respond to that? Did you pick sides? Did your mind go into generating and breeding mental defilements? What was your speech like? What was your actions like? So as lay people, we are not separate. 
from when there is a schism in the Sangha. Even when there is disharmony in the Sangha, we get affected. And quite often when we are affected in a negative way, we fall, we decline, our practice goes down, both in our mental actions, our speech, and possibly our physical actions. So the idea that the Buddha is giving us as a contemplation is when things are in harmony, when there is concord, when there is mutual respect in the Sangha, then we need to use these good conditions to apply ourselves. Because when a schism does come in future, then we are able to withstand. We won't shake with what is happening. We can choose wisely whether we want to get involved, whether we want to have a view, whether we want to breed defilements and break precepts around when that schism comes. The Buddha continues with his teaching by talking about favorable conditions. So these are the conditions which are the opposite of what we just went through. So when we are endowed with the blessing of youth, when we are seldom ill or afflicted, when food is abundant or plentiful, when people are dwelling in concord with harmony without disputes, and lastly, when the Sangha is dwelling at ease, also in concord, harmonious and without disputes. So these are the favorable conditions. And most of us have been quite fortunate to have favorable conditions. But what's most useful about this sutta is to use these favorable conditions if we have them, even if they're being slightly challenged or more challenged at the moment, but still to use whatever we have in terms of favorable conditions to wisely contemplate, to reflect as the Buddha is teaching us. Because at this time, it's difficult to rouse energy. It's difficult to rouse energy when conditions are good. It's difficult to rouse energy when the conditions are being challenged. And so the Sutta is giving us a way of reflecting on both favorable and unfavorable conditions so that we make progress on the path. We don't stagnate and we certainly don't want to decline. The idea is that we really start to penetrate the Buddha's teachings realize them directly for ourselves. Because once we do so, once we have path and fruit, we have the ability to gain higher concentrations at will. We have developed the different parts of the Buddha's teachings. This is our strength. This is what will help us to withstand any change in good conditions, any change in favorable conditions. Because as we know, we all age, we all have the ability to get sick at times. Some are not so serious, some are more serious in terms of illness. And then when it comes to external conditions such as uh, the food supply, uh, having to experience natural disasters, having to experience war, having to experience economic hardship, all kinds of different dangers that can come. Even crime and criminal activity all kinds of things that challenge our safety. The Buddha is saying that it's really important to find safety in the spiritual practice, to really progress and develop well. And then when it comes to the Sangha, they're the representatives of the Buddha, but if we rely solely on the representatives of the Buddha, then we can be rocked. If things go wrong with the Sangha, the monastic Sangha, we don't want to be rocked by that. We want our individual practice to be very strong so that 
Our confidence in Buddha Dhamma Sangha never gets shaken by another person's practice. And so in this way, when you, you are able to uh, use these favorable conditions, then it's very good towards progressing on the path. The way the world is going, the, the way that the world is declining, if you are wise, it is increasingly important to put effort. We can end our session here. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you well. Darawan Saranai.